0: Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub and all of our advertising revenues will be donated to support this fantastic initiative. It's now based at the Lions Centre on Bolina Road and it's run by our own Kelly Webster. This is a friendly food bank supporting families in the Bermondsey and SC16 area. If you can help support the Lions Food Hub in any way, please visit at Lions Food Hub on Twitter or get in touch with us at Achtung Millwall. The Lions Food Hub. Come on you Lions.
2: Listening to Achtung Millwall,
0: broadcasting from the beautiful South Bend, Set in our South Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to a special edition, a new series of Achtung Millwall History Hours with Nick and Neil Fissler. Welcome to the show, Neil. Hello, Nick. How are you going, mate? I'm good. This is this is a really Interesting little project that Neil um, suggested to me, and I think it's a great, great um, format. We're going to be looking, Neil, aren't we, at the the forthcoming month's fixtures, and we're going to refer back to games and and incidents and stories that we pick up along the way related to those forthcoming fixtures, beginning with QPR um, on Saturday now. Season is nearly upon us.
2: Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, but it's crept up from almost nowhere, isn't it? Yeah, no, well, this is just a an advanced thing, I think, on your random fixture show that yeah, you put so. out last season. Great, great, great series. And so we're just taking it one step further, aren't we? We're just going to look at every game we've got this month. Disclaimer, Absolutely. if we do beat Portsmouth in the Carabao Cup, whatever it's called this season, there yeah. will be an extra game, but. That obviously won't be included in this. No, we're we, we can't here.
0: anticipate that. But... <laughs> nor who will draw if we do get past Pompey. But um so we're gonna be looking forwards, listeners. Um and as Neil says, it is a kind of um, a continuation of the random fixture idea, but gives it a little bit of structure and hope we'll do this about once a month to to reflect next month's fixtures, so to speak. So so Neil, we're gonna begin with Queen's Park Rangers versus Millwall on um August the seventh, next this coming Saturday as as we recalled, I've chosen the fixture from the past. Millwall 3, Queen's Park Rangers 2, dear listeners, dated the 1st of October 1988 in Division 1 in front of 14,103 spectators at Colblow Lane, which included myself. And what was the significance of that result, Neil Fissler? the result took us to the top of the first division for the first time
2: in club history i believe
0: did indeed it was a wonderful wonderful day um you can see footage of this on on youtube actually i think it's, it's basically the goals um do seek it out um listeners it was one of those golden afternoons i think that that season Neil was i don't know how it is for you but it exists in a kind of a golden haze in my mind it's um Wonderful moment on wonderful moment, and this was obviously, as you said, gone top of the league. There, it was, it was a historic moment, but a emotionally uplifting day, wasn't it? It was just wonderful to be there.
2: I think it's just one of those things where it ranks alongside the great Millwall moments in history, doesn't it? Where you can say you're at the FA Cup final, you went to the European Games against Ferran Varosh, home and away, yeah, and you I can also say I was there on the 1st of October 1988 when Millwall went to the top of the First Division table for the first time in club history.
0: In club history, and it was a moment. I mean, I, I, the next day I went out and bought a copy of um, the Sunday paper. I think it was the News of the World, and I'd cut out the, the league table. I had that league table for many, many years, kept it as a souvenir of this moment where we went top of the league, above the whole 92 clubs. It was incredible. win for the Lions that day, dear listeners. Um, Goals from Cascarino in the 12th minute. Um, Equalised by Trevor Francis, who I just picked out as a a player, Neil. Trevor Francis playing for QPR, obviously, that day. Um, Just as an aside, really, and the, the, the show that we're doing, listeners, doesn't have any particular rigid format, so expect us to leap off at tangents. But Neil, I, I looked at Trevor Francis's career, and wow, what a career. 626 Football League fixtures, an incredible player. He doesn't seem to get the, um, what's the word? I don't know, the, the, the respect, the love that other players get. He, and yet he's a landmark figure in English football history, isn't he?
2: Well, yeah, but obviously, well, he was the first million pound footballer, right. wasn't he? That's right. And really was a top, top striker in his day.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely,
2: yeah. No, I agree. I think he should be up there with, with those that we talk about on a regular basis. And uh, yeah, with the yeah the hushed tones. Actually, one of his early goals was against Millwall, I think, in about nineteen
0: seventy. Well, he would feature for Birmingham, obviously, in the early seventies. Yeah, when he
2: just broke into Birmingham's team, when he looked like. Becoming the next big thing in English football, really, he, he crashed upon the scene, didn't
0: he? He did. Um, highly talented striker um, through the seventies, million-pound player with Brian Clough at, at Nottingham Forest. He would win the European Cup, of course. Um, I don't know if it was. Was it twice? He would have won it in the. They won it two seasons in succession, didn't they? At the end of the seventies. Yeah, but he scored, of course, against Malmo in he the did. game one one 0
2: I, uh, I actually had the pleasure of interviewing him. Did you? Or oh, the Football League paper. Yeah. One of my Where Are They Now series, him and Archie Gemmell. Another great player. And John amazing. Robertson, actually, they were there. And I said to him, I said, how did this million pound deal come about? Mm. He said, well, Cloughy wanted me and we just went off to the city ground. we were given permission to talk. I went off to the city ground with the missus. <laughs> no agent or anything. And Brian Clough said, well, we'll give you this. And he said, oh, I don't quite want that. And he tried to negotiate, I believe. Uh,
0: (laughs) Million pound player. It was quite a thing in its day. I mean, obviously now we're talking on the day where, you know, Jack Grealish has been um, spoken of as a 100 million pound player. And, uh, you know, you see bigger figures than that quoted for possibly Harry Kane to go to Manchester City. Um, But this was a big, big deal at the time trevor francis this was me. a
2: groundbreaker nick wasn't it because yes, it nobody was, yeah. had spent a million pounds and back then a million pounds was actually a mind-blowing summer money isn't it a million pounds now i doubt it buys you a flat
1: <laughs>
2: in most parts of london does it you probably couldn't even buy a garage for that in some places
0: uh,
2: uh, and they're spending a million pounds but you actually look at that qpr team that season there was, there was actually millwall connections there nicky johns played in gold nicky johns
0: was he in goal and that day, was it? gavin Maguire or so gavin mcguire yeah well, i don't think what it was in that side then in that case no i you? don't
2: think he was no okay, uh, they had faraday and a very, very good winger, wasn't he? And uh, Steen up front, I think. That's was right, yeah. yeah. Paul Parker at the back. So
0: they would actually had a poor start to that season, I think. They're a decent side. As I say, Cascarino put us in front on 12. Trevor Francis equalised on 30. Um, just uh, for five minutes, uh, we were equal. And then Cascarino again, 35. And Herlock. One of his few goals. He never scored many for us, Terry, did he? He was, he was, he was a great midfield schemer, but um, didn't score many. But this was one that he did. He took quite well, it was a shot from the edge of the penalty area, if memory memory serves. I haven't seen it for a while. And then that would be Clive Allen, I guess, on seventy two minutes. No, Martin Allen. Martin Allen. Martin Allen. Mad Martin dog. Oh, it was the mad dog. Okay. It was the mad dog. <laughs> 3 you, QPR 2, top of the league. Wonderful days. You uh, no. can
2: imagine actually Herlock and Martin Allen going at it in midfield. <laughs> <laughs> These were the days. A, that would have been all
0: snarling, wouldn't it? I do remember uh, um, it was the following season, Neil. We played Manchester City in the FA Cup. Uh, the following season was a real damp damn squid real disappointing but we played City in the FA Cup at home and I just remember this moment where it was like the the immovable force meeting the unstoppable um uh, counterforce you know with um the tackle with Terry Herlock and Peter Reed met in midfield and there was a there was this crunching tackle and almost like a, a physical boom went around the den as the as the the ball how it didn't burst I don't know as this moment they both met in conflict in midfield it was wonderful wonderful stuff two fantastic players
2: that was actually i think our second london derby of the season i think we're beaten charlton quite early on didn't we
0: we had a we had a period um, where we didn't leave the capital we, we had like london derby on london derby about two months period where we didn't leave the capital that season um yeah
2: well i think it's a, yeah well, i think we got off to a good start that season didn't we we were well we were unbeaten for quite a long time and this was actually was it our fifth or sixth game unbeaten i think
0: yeah because we i mean looking back now I, I, I suppose you always wonder how you're gonna we're gonna f- play in the first division it was our first time in the, the, t- the only time in the top flight and i know that i was privately worried as to how good are we can we really compete at this level but the adrenaline rush neil of those those early games that that first kind of um Few months. I mean, to be honest, we were actually we were contenders as late as as March. We were in third place in the in the league table as late as March, and then it all fell away. But it was just like um, it was like a, every game was like a cup tie. It was it was an incredible period in Mill history. Wonderful times. The team that day didn't include Les Briley. Darren Morgan was playing alongside Terry. I think Briley must have been injured darren morgan
2: blimey that's a blast from the past isn't it Oh, well, think... this is the
0: point of the show we want blasts from the past a dream day top of the league um wonderful wonderful stuff um it couldn't get much better really could it no i've always thought of QPR as qpr the keir starmers of football neil kind of um you know they're there but they don't really make any great impact on on, on the scene so to speak you know you, you don't you don't you know, you know they exist, but somehow they you don't you don't take an awful lot of notice of them. But one point that did strike me, my my research looking through Wiki, twenty grounds they've had over twenty home grounds in their in their existence. It's actually settling at Loftus Road in nineteen seventeen, and that afterwards they've had two spells playing away at the, at the White City Stadium. It's um. I mean, I know that we can't talk at Millwall, can we? We've had a few grounds on the Isle of Dogs particularly in Coal Lane, but um, that's quite a lot. 20, 20 grounds around Kensal Green, Queen's Park and, and Shepherd's Bush and those kinds of areas in those pre-First World War days, I guess.
2: Yeah, but to be honest, I think that everybody that's going to QPR on Saturday will be wishing it was the 21st ground that they were going to
0: <laughs>
2: because you because you're in absolute danger of getting DVT or something quite nasty in that ground, aren't you? It's you a mean, very tightly packed little place, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah um, well, you can't sit down. It's because hmm. I've actually enjoyed going to I think it was because i lived in london lived on the central line so it was just a central line straight across
0: yeah white city and
2: um to white city and then you'd go past the bbc and we was yeah you mentioned the white city stadium i think that's now where the BBC Radio's based, isn't it, at the top of Is that... South Africa Road. I believe that's where the White City Stadium was. It
0: was there. Um, the BBC TV Centre was around there as well, but I think that's been demolished. I don't know what they've done with it. I have been over there for, for some years now. But, I mean, I've actually been to the White City Stadium, which um, has pl- that did house some World Cup football, didn't it, in 1966. Um, but I went there for some speedway, so um it's, uh, it's very, long gone very I'm very very impressed that you've been to the White City stadium. I must it's yeah. have... <laughs> uh, big is... big 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 vast place um it was mostly a greyhound stadium, I think in its latter days uh, it's housed all sorts of stuff or had had housed all sorts of stuff in its time um I've got to close this spit now. I just want to read the team out this is this is a kind of a dream team no, uh, Brian Horning and goey and Dawes. Steve Wood, Alan McCleary, Keith Stevens across the back line. Uh, the midfield, as we said, Terry Hurlock, who drew a yellow that day in the 3 2 win. Um, surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Alongside Darren Morgan, a very skillful, small player, probably too small for a professional in the end, but very skillful. I always liked watching Darren Morgan play. Um, George Lawrence, who was replaced by Jimmy Carter in the 16th minute, Kevin O'Callaghan on the other wing. And up front the dream, dream frontline, what we'd give for Cascarino, Tony Cascarino and Teddy Sheringham up front in our current um, Travile scoring goals. So there we are, Millwall 3, QPR 2 from 1988. You had to be there, dear listeners, you had to be there, one of those days.
1: Achtung, Millwall. So
0: there we are, next up in the, in the series of fixtures in in August after QPR, we're playing Millwall versus Portsmouth at home um, in the Caribou Cup, not formally known as the League Cup, properly known as the League Cup, really. No, I, I can never quite... Um, something about sponsored competitions never sits quite Yeah, right the
2: League right. Cup, os Cup, Milk Cup. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but to Mil- me, yeah, it Mil- Lord be the League Cup. It's the same as the FA Cup sponsored by Emirates and things like that. It, it'll just be the FA Cup. That's... Yeah, well, I, mean, I know for commercial reasons, they call it whatever they call it, but I think to traditionalists like you and I, yeah. it would always be the Cup. It, it to have
0: more gravitas when it was the League Cup, but anyway. Um, Millwall versus Portsmouth. Now, I've chosen a very personal and very special fixture from my own point of view, and this is Millwall 1, Portsmouth 0, dated 31st of March 1972 towards the end of the of the near miss season 1971 72 was the season that um we came heartbreakingly close to to get promotion only for it to be snatched away seemingly at the last moment on the last day and the reason I've chosen Millwall 1 Pompey 0 0 is that that's is the first ever game at Millwall that I ever went to and I went there with some mates from my primary school. Um, in these far-off days, listeners, you could just go to a football match on on a whim on the day. You didn't need to get a ticket. You could just pitch up. And a bunch of 11-year-olds were just, it was just thought of normal that you'd get on a train at Elmstead Woods and travel across London into um, into New Cross and be gone for the day. This was, this was parenting of the <laughs> 1970s. And we came back about six-ish later that day. A buzz with um, the excitement of of this result, which was played in front of twenty two thousand fans. Visit of Pompey, lines were going very very well at the time in the in the uh, division, and it was a goal from Barry Bridges. I'm just looking at the Daily Mirror report from this particular fixture. Barry Bridges blasted Mill to the top of the second division yesterday. This report's dated the first of April, nineteen seventy two, ending a three month goal famine for Barry Bridges. Um. Again, this is another classic side. Brian King's in goal. You have got Harry Cripps. You have got um, Brian Brown in defence. Barry Kitch in 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 the centre there. Um, wonderful. I mean, a personal moment. I, this this is football, Neil, isn't it? I mean, you kind of mark your own life in terms of great football moments. Yeah, the, the two go hand in hand often. And this was a big moment in my life, actually. First time. I went yeah, to it was the a day. good
2: Friday, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, I Friday know. Game. Yeah. It, it, well, it was a good Friday and there was, what, 22,303 plus Nick Hart in the ground.
0: That's right. Behind the cold blow lane end goal, um, I was, um, I, what kind of, what's the, what's the expression? My jaw dropped with the, the energy and the effing and the blinding and the the hostility towards um, not only the Pompey players, but also the, their own, the all players as well. I couldn't believe it when. Your chances would miss you would have blokes completely losing the plot and calling all the names under the sun to our own players. I mean, you get used to this, but as a child, <laughs> you wonder what on earth's going on, you know. What um, made
2: you go to that game, Nick, and not anything else before?
0: Um, I was It was school. I, mean, I, I went to school in Mottingham, and I used to love football. Um, I probably, I mean, you follow football via television. There wasn't as much television, so it would be match of the day in the big match back in those times. Um, it was just some mates. One of my mates in class, um, primary school listeners, not secondary, primary school, was um talking, we were talking about football and he said, Do you wanna go why don't we go Millwall? And I didn't really know what was involved in that. Um I, I you know, I obviously knew knew of the club and, and knew knew the name, but I didn't know much more than you know more about the glory clubs. So that would have be been Manchester United, George Best and Leeds and Liverpool and all those kinds of at that time um it was just why don't we go and watch mill you know so, okay um i suppose they were doing well in the second division at the time so there might have been um some element of wanting to see some success you know um and off we about <laughs> that four or five of us <laughs> got the train from elmstead woods all the way up to new cross made our way across what was still um there's a park there, I think it's called Burgess Park. Um, or was it Fordham Park? I can't remember which one it's called now, but it's right outside New Cross Station. And back then, they were still bomb-damaged streets. Slum clearance was going on. They were about to be demolished, and it was going to be turned into open ground. But I remember walking past the um, the um empty shelves of houses, Victorian streets there, Pagnell Street, I think it was called, one of them. And... um I don't know it was a bit like um I think my as I said earlier on, my jaw was my jaw dropped I suppose I was seeing things that I hadn't seen before in the, as a child because we my mum and dad moved away from Bermondsey to the fairly suburban comparatively um, realms of Mottingham which was green and had trees and you know although it was council housing it wasn't um it wasn't intense council housing whereas New Cross felt very very different so you could breathe, couldn't you? you could breathe. Well, it's one of the it's one of the reasons why Mum moved us away. She she was you know didn't like the, the, the back then. Bermondsey was a um, an industrial area, so you would get pollution in the air. And I think she had an idea that it was cleaner in the country, as Mottingham was seen as the country. Unbelievably, <laughs> um, there we are. These were the far off days. Um, so yeah, a one 0 win for the Lions. It would all go square in the end because um, on the final day of the season. Promotion seemed to be in our hands, and then it would be um, snatched from our from our grasp. Um, the Mill team that day, Neil, some classic classic names here. Brian King, who um, we've spoken to, thought, fortunately on this show. Brian Brown, spelt with a Y. I've often seen his name misspelled. Um, I've never seen or heard much of Brian Brown after his after his days. I mean, you do the Where are you now stuff. Have, have, have you? Um, what what became of Brian Brown after his middle days? Can Brian
2: Brown, he, he ran a pub, the Jew, the uh, Jew Drop, uh, on the Isle of, oh, yeah, no. that's oh. the one. And then I believe he became a postman up at Mount Pleasant, or or worked for the post office at Mount wow. Pleasant. Wow. But And uh, if somebody I've actually not spoken to, I've spoken to, no, an awful lot of players, especially from that team, because that is probably one of our best ever teams. Oh, it's a classic side. Yeah, well, we talk about. Yeah. cascarino and Sherringham—that that's yeah. that we just spoke about in 88 but this was a brilliant
0: team wasn't it and well, these that... were the the heroes because the first team you see or that you know they are your they stick in your mind as a child don't they so you got barry kitchen there in central defense harry cripps you know to see harry Cripps is um is is quite something um he was i'm trying to find the right words to describe harry Cripps because he was not um he was not conventionally, he was not a dirty player by any means. He was not even a conventionally physical player in some ways. He was, I've seen him described as an enthusiast. He was, he, he was just a bundle of energy. He would not stop, and the crowd loved him at the day. He was a workmanlike player, wasn't he, more than? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he
2: wasn't, yeah, he wasn't spectacular. No. But, but he just personifies everything
0: that's a Millwall player. He tried. He tried and the crowd loved him.
2: Yeah, well, he might have smacked one or two players in his time. It probably <laughs> never went down, down,
0: down too badly. And uh, you, You'll be much loved if you do that, down the t- <laughs> Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, well I've said to Yeah, well, I've said to former players when I've done interviews with them, you've never needed to be the best player in the world at Millwall. <laughs> you just needed to try. Try, yeah, well, yeah. I, yeah, I right. speak to I spoke to i spoke to brian king as you did yeah and uh about this team about this season because this game took us what two points clear of norwich five points clear i of think so. yeah yeah and then i think we lost 2-1 at fulham a day later and we lost yeah. and then we drew 3-3 at carlisle on the tuesday and all of a sudden norwich were top of the table and we were we were chasing
0: oh,
2: yeah. yeah and we had it all to do but but he tells me, that, well, yeah, you know, Brian he's very upfront. He'll tell yeah. you he things. Yeah. But he thinks he should have been promoted that season. I think he, we let we he let blames, it slip. Yeah, he actually blames Eamon Dunphy. He
0: <laughs> said that <laughs> he, he's not very pleasant at all about Eamon Dunphy. I Even think, when I spoke to him, I, I, I tried to broach the Dunphy subject with with, with Brian, but he's he's, he's um. I suppose we were speaking by phone and he hadn't met me and he didn't really know me, so I think he was probably more guarded perhaps than he might have been with Neil in some of his interviews. Um, I think was, Dunphy was also a, a writer. He, I think he remains a writer in his own right, but a very strongly opinionated man, an interesting character, Eamon Dunphy, um, as Brian King is an interesting character. Um, oh,
2: Brian's a great guy. Yeah, I love him. He's a superb guy and his book, if anybody's not read it,
0: it's well worth a read. Isn't it? Oh, yeah.
2: it is brilliant just for the stories of when he went to Sweden and Norway, that
0: kind. Yeah. It's and a the, very, very well-written book. And and a great goalkeeper, Neil. I mean, I, th- I think that's the thing that... Um, I was just looking at Barry Kitchener, um, obviously another hero of my own. Just, um, I don't, not, It's not been disparaging towards someone like Harry Cripps, who's a club legend, but Barry Kitchener probably... As, as Brian said there, probably all, there's a few players in that side that should have played at a higher level. And were loyal to Millwall in, in, in a way that um, maybe held them back a little bit. I don't know. But Barry was a very skillful defender and a very strong man and a leader on the pitch. He thinks that Kitt should have played for England. <sighs> Brian King could have played for England, should have played for England. And I, I think I he was, was on the bench once, wasn't he? Yeah, again? he was on the bench against Portugal. Yeah. Um, And but I mean, at that time in the early seventies, there was a lot. The the country was awash with great goalkeepers. I mean, Brian King was one of one of many. I think part of it was playing for an unfashionable club like Millwall, and I'd say the same with Barry Kitchener, to be honest. Um, Across the midfield, Dennis Burnett, very cultured midfield player. Um, Frank Saul on this day. Um, Saul never really featured regularly in my time, but he was always there as a bit part. At that point, but I think he'd played in a cup final. He did he play for Spurs? Thanks, all you know,
2: yeah, that's right. In yeah, Australia.
0: but Neil?
2: Yeah, well, he made his name at Spurs. That actually ended up running a some kind of garment business, I think, on, on Canby Island or something. He was from that neck of the woods. It's a very, very world. good player, I think. At Tottenham,
0: <laughs> yeah, I think skillful player, it's a very skillful player. Um, Dougie Alder on the wing, <clears throat> um, a skillful winger, good player, good mill servant. And a player that I've picked out, which I'll come back to when we run through the team, Derek Smithhurst, um, who was not well-loved at the den, um, took a lot of abuse. <laughs> <coughs> just just for, um, I wasn't quite sure, because he always looked an okay player to me, but was, uh, people took against him for some reason. Um, but I want to come back to Derek Smithhurst if I may, because I think he was actually, he wasn't a bad player anyway, the amount of um, stick that he got when, on the occasions that I was there. Then up front, we've got um Gordon Bolland and, and Gary Bridges, two two good players actually. Bolland was um, he came from Norwich and he, he was I mentioned him previously as a, as a very, very good striker and a good club servant, scorer of many goals over,
2: over the years. And of course, Barry Bridges, I think, was an England international at one stage,
0: wasn't he? Ex Chelsea player, I think. Yeah, when in he was at
2: Chelsea, did he play in the Cup Winners' Cup final for them or something? Uh, I
0: like? believe he had, and as you say, an, an England cap, so this was a decent, decent side. Um with some real Millwall characters as well as some highly skilled players. I think that's probably the best description that we can give. Twenty two I think
2: that needs to be pointed out about that uh, side is actually the manager, Benny Fenton.
0: Very shrewd manager, Neil.
2: Very shrewd yeah. manager. And I don't think he gets the plot he quite deserves. No, he doesn't. He doesn't, no.
1: He's
2: kind of been forgotten in Millwall history.
1: But he Benny was, Fenton
2: um... built
0: this side on the shoestring. On the shoestring, over many years. I mean, they talk about managers now having projects, don't they? You know, a rebuild. Pep Guardiola is a project manager. Benny Fenton could have been the first ever project manager. But he he joined us in the mid-60s. I think it was, was it 66 or 67 that Benny came to us? This was probably the pinnacle of his career, in all all honesty, um, the near miss, as it turned out to be. So you're talking about a five-year project, Neil, I think. You know, you're talking about a building process over that time.
2: Yeah, there wasn't a lot of money around, so we had to so we had to be careful with it, didn't he? And uh, I think Smethurst, what came in from Chelsea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Barry Bridges probably cost a few quid, but he picked
0: up Bolland and... A great player, Gordon Bolland. And- A goal scorer. And he, he played for Norwich previously. But he, I mean Bolland, I think, played near almost 300 times for the Lions cool. and scored goals. Um and he I think Benny reminded me we've we've spoken on the, the previous history shows now about Bob Hunter and his ability to find players that, you know, I mean at different times, I appreciate that. Uh- but he would find players and Benny had that ability to find Let's this, this, this mention Barry Bridges, who, is, as you said, played at a higher level than Frank Saul, I guess. Um, some might have seen them as very much on the way out of the game. It, somehow he would find some some value still in there. He'd find, some, find players that had been around the track a few times and get some value out of them. And he also picked up youngsters, obviously
2: picked up Brian King from... Uh... Yeah um from, from Chelmsford the somebody wasn't it and and, uh,
0: um, and Golden Hill let's not forget golden hill although i think he was um only briefly in, in the benny benny Reigns, he would leave us but you know to find him and to 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 field him they're great players and so yeah i think you're right i think benny fenton deserves more um more more coverage more 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 love i, I don't know which way you want to put it I just wanted to mention Derek Smith first because he's an interesting character um A of mine on Facebook actually I speak to him quite regularly oh do you oh right <laughs> <I'll>...
2: <laughs> go on then Nick I'll, I'll edit
0: I'll edit this show <laughs> go on, then. oh dear well I will, I will, I'll edit that accordingly Neil no <laughs> yeah, no come on uh, no, I'm just looking at just an interesting life. Born in Durban in South Africa in in 1947, um, as you say, he played briefly with with Chelsea in the late 60s, and um, was the first South African to win a European championship when Chelsea won the European Cup Winners Cup in 1970 71. None of which I appreciated when I was going to Millwall on this occasion because I, I, I didn't know much about the man, but um, I always thought him quite a skillful kind of an attacking midfielder forward i mean he describes as a forward on wikipedia but i i don't know he seemed to be more um you know the kind of player that would come from midfield and, and get forward um 71 appearances for the lions from 1971 to 75 nine goals listed here um but then he went on to make a career in america in the north american soccer league indoor and outdoor football and was there for many years, and they were actually quite a success out there over over time. Florida, I believe. Yeah, um, lives in Val- Valrico in Florida, running a training center. But I hadn't realised this is this is the bit that caught my eye. now. He, he played in the NFL, American football, um, in the preseason anyway with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a place kicker, wearing jersey number twelve. I never knew that. I've learned something doing the research of this show.
2: Funnily enough, I have asked him if he would come on to a former player interview, and he has agreed. <laughs> you, keep, you keep turning me
0: over, Fistler.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. Can't I? On. <laughs> well,
0: I'll you ask. Know? I'll ask him about the Cold Blow Lane. Um, he seemed to he seemed to get a lot of unfair stick to me as a kid, but I wasn't wasn't. Um, uh, I didn't have enough depth of knowledge to to know whether it was justified or or, or not. Um... Yeah, we're only trying to build your brand here. Come on. <laughs> so that would well, be wonderful. It'd be great to talk to Derek Smith first. He was one of those players in that very first game that I ever attended, which was Millwall one, Pompey Neil, dated March thirty first, nineteen seventy two.
1: Milbain.
0: Now, next along the list of fixtures is Millwall at home to Blackburn. So we're going to look at Blackburn. Now, the one I've picked out again is is a fairly obvious one, really, dear listeners. I'm, I'm, I make little um, apology for this. So I make no apologies. It's a fairly obvious choice, Neil, for Millwall at home to Blackburn fixtures. And we're going to go back to 1988 again. I'm sorry, some of us have never left the 80s, dear listeners. But I have for you, Millwall 1, Blackburn Rovers 4, played on the 7th of May, 1988. And I think probably fair to say it was a di- disappointing result, but I think the Millwall side had been on the piss all week, effectively, hadn't they? <laughs>
2: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Funnily enough, I, you, have made that, you have actually made that note here. Yeah, it was a week <laughs> after the whole game, wasn't it? I think the Callies penalty
0: we have won the championship. we have been promoted. It, uh, inadvertently, we'd—or not inadvertently—it's a wrong choice of word. The, unexpectedly, we have we won the championship of the second division. Um, and this this game was was the kind of it was a presentation of the trophy. You can see lots of this stuff online. Just go on YouTube. Just search for Milby Blackburn 1988. You'll find it. There's someone put some kind of almost like home video of the players on the pitch. John Dockett, it's wonderful footage. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Neil. It's, it's lovely to to look back at this stuff.
2: Yeah, no, it is. Uh, I think it was a, I think it was our crowning, wasn't it? Our coronation, a coronation as champions. Title uh, already assured. I think we'd been unbeaten in what twelve games until Blackburn rolled into town. Yeah, I mean, it's just There's a wonderful carnival show. atmosphere. There was probably half and half scarfs. Them silly. Foam <laughs> the, the
0: ski hats that people used to wear hats.
2: back in those times. Um, everything, everything would have been. Uh, the players were probably still drinking on the morning of the game.
0: It's just a wonderful. I mean, I'm looking at the Daily Mirror. Uh, was my this is Sunday Mirror. Tell a lie of um, be the eighth of May, 1988, and there's a there's an interview of sorts with with John Doherty, Mill Manager. Um, He says here, Doherty admitted after this 4-1 thumping at home to Blackburn, um, I I knew it was going to be difficult to finish the season in style, Neil, because it's been mayhem here ever since we made sure of the title on Monday. Mayhem. Um, Superb. Yeah, but that's all you can ask for. Mayhem (laughs) at Millwall, isn't it? (laughs) And it goes on. I mean, so we've got mayhem all week. That means no training and plenty of drinking. Our preparations for the match were a shambles. This is the manager talking. We were a shambles as it was almost impossible to work at times because of the number of people who contacted us sending their best wishes. I think that might have been um, scotch, gin, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <La-ga>. lager. <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of best wishes. Um <laughs> And it, it goes on, listeners, for those that don't know. I mean, yes, we were we were second division champions. We were going to be promoted for the first time in our history. But the effect of this result was to mean that Blackburn pushed out Crystal Palace to get into the playoffs. So there's a report here of a fuming Steve Koppel who was looking for the Lions to do him a favour, Neil. Why should we do them a favour? Honestly. <laughs> He's heartbroken, according to the Sunday Mirror. Good. <laughs> It was last night cursing a radio station that cruelly gave his club it gets better still listeners a radio station had given his club false hope that were leading 4-1 instead of drunk <laughs> it, stumbling around in a in a hangover with the the, the second division trophy in the in the uh, the trophy room. It wasn't a very big one at Coldblow Lane. Um, stumbling around in, in in a kind of a hangover state, and suddenly Coppel's been told that we're winning four one, and uh, it all went wrong for him. So Palace got pushed out of the playoffs. Um... That must
2: actually have been a Millwall fan that couldn't get a ticket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thought he would thought he would actually raise Steve Coppel's hopes by telling
1: him that oh, we were winning four
2: one when in effect we were severely hungover. <laughs> and I'm surprised that we got one.
0: <laughs> I can't remember much about the day, other than the fact that the den was packed, flags blue and white everywhere, Um, presentation. I remember that well. The game itself, no, I mean that was that was um, uh, moved swiftly on from the from the game. Um, I actually, when... I think actually in those days, didn't the presentations
2: take place before the game?
0: Yeah, we got the you've tr- got the the trophy before the game, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> was now it's afterwards yeah
2: quite yeah but i don't know why they made yeah why they used to give trophies before the game in
0: those days no it's a good it's a good question it's a good question because everyone was singing along with a crowd it was it was a party before the game basically and then we had to go and play a, um a, a match ill-prepared let's just put it that way let's put it leave it there ill-prepared for, for a professional match um blackburn would go into a strange playoffs that season actually um that featured the uh chelsea who were fighting relegation from division one and they were part of a 14 playoff semi-final and final tournament they, they would make it to the final where um well chelsea would make it to the final blackburn would be pushed out i think by middlesbrough who would actually prevail over chelsea over two legs um which would include some um Bad behaviour at Stamford Bridge, which we can't condone, condone. on this on this station, of course. Um, Middlesbrough promoted whilst mayhem took place at Stamford Bridge. It's a wonderful, wonderful day, Neil. Um, like I said, it was a 1988 golden year. This was one of the golden moments of of that season, and would continue, of course, um, a few months later in Division Division One. I think actually the playoffs in those days they were a new thing, and uh,
2: correct me if I'm wrong, but it was a thing where the team in the first division had to actually win the playoff to actually avoid relegation, didn't they? And if was it done it that, was that way? One, because I think that Charlton and Leeds had a similar situation yeah. where they I think they drew three or four times and or well, they played three or four games after drawing three times something like that and then I think they realized that it probably didn't work and they changed the format as to we know it now
0: yeah so you were relegated if you're based on league position from the top flight and then the teams coming up from the division below were the ones that actually played off I've seen it done with um, the top flight side. I think Germany does it that way still, Neil. I think they have a, they have a, a relegation shootout plus stroke promotion playoff um, system in the in the Bundesliga. Um, I don't know if any other nations do that, but it was quite... I mean, what a dramatic game. And there's a two-legged game, Middlesbrough, and, and I think Chelsea had the advantage of the second leg at home, but they still managed to flop. um leading to, out, yeah. Leading to Stamford Bridge... Uh, mayhem. Achtung, Achtung. Mailball. just to interject on the show a moment if i may dear listeners i received an email uh, from mill fan rob woodford who is a qualified london cabbie and and london guide and rob is organizing a walkabout a mill history walkabout and heritage day on the 4th of september starting from west india key station at 11am on saturday the 4th of september and it's going to be covering the origins of the club that we love millwall um, in docklands a couple of the pubs the george and of course the lord nelson including the sites of the former grounds and local history along the way it sounds like an utterly an utterly fantastic event Um, i'm going to put a link to buy tickets 12 pound 50 um from the from Eventbrite. I'll stick that Eventbrite link in the show notes and in Twitter and the social media. Um, sounds like a really interesting day out. So Saturday, the fourth of September, Mill History and Heritage Day with Mill fan qualified guide Robert Woodford. Rob Woodford. And sounds like a really cracking day out. I wish I'd thought of doing it actually. Now you've said that, Rob. Thanks for letting me know that. And now back to the show. So next up we have the midweek fixture: Millwall versus Fulham. Neil, I picked out a fixture that I was at, um, and I, I can remember being here for this game. I can't remember an awful lot more about it, but I was at Millwall four, Fulham three, dated the twenty fifth of April, nineteen eighty two, Division Three fixture played at Carrow Blow Lane, in front of just six thousand three hundred and fifty four fans. Um, this was a pretty tough time in Millwall history listeners and you know we've we've spoken a lot about the um the glory days that will come later in the eighties. At this point, Neil, I must admit, it was very hard to see much at times any future at all for the club. It was it was these were dark days, weren't they? I think this was the dark days of Peter Anderson, wasn't Peter it? Peter Anderson, that's right. You don't talk to mm. him on Facebook by any chance, do you?
2: <laughs> yeah, well I'm not going to admit that on here. I'll tell you, yeah, but otherwise before I know it, my social media account will <laughs> be, be bombarded. Be completely under fire, won't they?
0: Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, but these...
2: this was one of the few bright sparks, I think, in
0: yeah, it, 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 a, a seven-goal thriller. This was the 81-82 and... season, yeah, and this would have been Anderson's um I think this was his main season in charge. This was very much his season where he was um you know, um he had complete control rather than picking up the pieces from other people. Um and it was it was a tough it was a tough gig. But this was quite an entertaining game. We've got um a Mule Side this day. I'll read out some of these names, some really great names here. Paul Sansom in goal. Um anyone who can remember Paul Sansom. Oh just that game. Sanson replaced by Nicky Chatterton because he was injured in the seventy-fourth minute. He had to go off. So Chatterton went in goal for the for the last um, sixteen minutes of the match. Uh, Dean Neal coming in as a substitute. The back line of this game: Laurie Madden, um, Barry Kitchener still there in eighty-two. I think this was very much at the end of Kitch's career now. Paul Roberts, so I think you've you've mentioned um, you've spoken to on a previous show, Neil, aren't you? Um, Paul Roberts and Keith Stevens. And then the midfield, Bobby Shinton. That was a name. When I did some research for this one, listeners, there's a name that I'd just forgotten. I'd forgotten that Bobby Shinton played for Millwall. Um, Peter Anderson. I couldn't was Yeah, that's yes, right. Peter Anderson, who I could never forget, played for Millwall and managed us. Nicky Chatterton, we've touched on. Alan West, I'd forgotten Alan West played for us. So there's another name from the past. And then Dave Martin and Dean Horrocks. Um, I've mentioned Dean Horrocks here, obviously very tragically passed away. I think he, he passed away in 1988 in a, in a car accident. Um, he was a big favourite at the Den Dean Horrocks now, wasn't he?
2: Yeah, a guy who obviously came through that great youth team, didn't he, in he 78, did. 79, was a player that was destined for quite big things, wasn't he? He, he? he was committed.
0: He was a committed forward. He kind of gave one of those players that always gave you everything, that, as we've said earlier on, that... Will always go down well at the Den. Who's committed one hundred percent? Two spells in the in the early eighties, nineteen seventy nine to eighty three. He made seventy two appearances, nineteen goals from those seventy two. He would then move on to Gillingham, and then his probably longest spell and his, his, his most um, successful period, I suppose, possibly at Reading in the in the mid eighties, eighty three to eighty eight. I think they had the promotion side during that period. Did they not have a... Was it John Doherty was managing them at that point? And they yeah, had they had a there. couple of promotions around
2: about then, didn't they? In the 80s, I think, Reading.
0: Still playing at Elm Park, younger listeners at this point. this The, the old ground, um, rather than the Majeski Stadium, whatever it's been sponsored by now. 35 goals for Reading. And then he would make a, a late um, return back to Millwall. In the first division days as, as kind of cover, I think we might have had an injury for cass or or Teddy. I can't remember which way around but he, he made 11 appearances scoring just once in that that second period and then Bristol City before tragedy would um would um would strike very sad story a very um a much loved player at the den Dean Horrocks in my opinion um i think only played about three
2: games just have to join in bristol city didn't he? yeah they? before it happened yeah killed in a car crash
0: which i'm just reading this is a daily Mirror's very brief report listeners back in those days you were you didn't get much coverage in the third and fourth division and you were restricted in national press to graham baker's third and fourth scene which is like a a column which featured all the clubs so uh, middle striker Dean Horrocks blasted the third division promotion issue wide open. That didn't include us. That that was Fulham. Wide open with a hat-tricks. Hat-trick hero Dean Horrocks against Fulham at the Den. Second place, Fulham went 3-0 down before staging a brave recovery of goals from Roger Brown. And Sean O'Driscoll, I think, managed um, Doncaster later on, I believe. Sean O'Driscoll? And Bournemouth. And Bournemouth, was it? Okay. One or two others, yeah. Um, Horrocks hit his third goal to put the game beyond Fulham's reach, but they pulled it back to 4-3 with an own goal by, by Keith Stevens. The Fulham were managed by Malcolm McDonald at this point. Um, and he's talking about the still being games in hand for the promotion push. Um, Mill keepers, Paul Sansom left the field after 74 minutes with a suspected fractured leg and was replaced by Peter Gleeser. There's a name from the past, Neil. Peter Yes, yeah,
2: Somebody else who actually played in the 79 Youth Cup side, which I think formed the nucleus. You were know, those that yeah. were sold off because, <laughs> because we needed to pay the bills. I think Alan West, you mentioned Alan West. I think he was a friend of, uh, he, he, he was actually a friend of Peter Anderson. And Alan Thorne, I think, had come in from Luton as chairman, didn't he? Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. Never,
2: never mentioned a name to John Sitton. Really? Don't like him. Oh, God, it, it's yeah. It's almost as bad as Uber. You mentioned Uber to him. Sets him off on a complete tangent. But you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Thorn and uh, and Peter Anderson. He's convinced that Anderson only got the job because he was a mate of Thorn's at the time.
0: It's quite possible. And then
2: I think they brought in Alan West, who's actually the Reverend Alan
0: West, who's now a. Is he?
1: Achtung. Achtung.
0: We're going to move along and I think next up is Cardiff I believe Neil and Cardiff City We've... Neil was kindly suggested a figure, I couldn't find much that would um, that struck me but you found a really interesting picture from 1930 so we're going back a long time now Listen, there's 4-4, Cardiff City 4, Mill 4 dated the 6th of December 1930 in front of Eight thousand, and it. This includes This. I actually didn't know many of these players. Now I've done a few of these kinds of shows over time, so you kind of get to know some of the main players. But this side, apart from uh, one or two, Jack Cock and and is uh, it Tom Forsyth up front? I didn't know many of these players' names at all. Yeah. Um. So two four goals for the Lions. Two goals from a player, Joe Reedman. I would never heard of Joe Reedman. I didn't know his name whatsoever, so I again, I've learned something, and and two for Jack Cock, who I knew to be a prolific goal scorer and one that we've covered on on previous previous um, fixtures, but I was intrigued by by Joe Reedman. He was He was a decent striker. He was actually a second top scorer for this season after Jack Cock, which um, I wasn't aware of.
2: Yeah, no, he, he he was somebody I think had been around Millwall for for quite some time. Yeah, he was. A, yeah, he was a northern boy.
0: Hartlepool, born in West Hartlepool. Yep, in, born in nineteen o one, West Hartlepool. Passed away no, in nineteen seventy three, age seventy one or seventy two, according to to wiki. In Ramsgate,
2: um, in Ramsgate, in Kent, he died on the eighth yeah. January. Uh, it had a bit of a career. He played for. He, he played for Bolton Wanderers, Bournemouth,
0: I got here. Bournemouth
2: yeah. Brighton, and then and the joined us in July 1928.
0: Second highest top scorer this season. Um, It would be a moderate season for Millwood. finish up, I think about six places off the bottom, but certainly not in relegation trouble.
2: Um, he was a get up and go type of player who realised his limitations and did not attempt to over-elaborate that's come from a, a book I've just written with Dave Sullivan okay. Millwall Who's Who where we profile every player that's ever played for a first team game and uh, he faced competition from Will Phillips and then a guy okay. called Andy Swallow right. when he first came to Millwall and that 12 goals in 31 was actually his best return for the season
0: that book will be handy if, uh, if you want to set yourself up as a Millwall historian, podcaster. I might get that book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, like I think of one or two others that might be trying to get that book to set themselves up as a brand <laughs> and a football <laughs> podcast. I've he found... settled of the Ramsgate, where he worked as a ship's riveter.
0: Wow. I mean, this is one of the things. I mean, we've mentioned um, Brian Brown and, and, um, and others over time. You know, when when the football career ended, there was no kind of um, there was no lavish life waiting. You went back to work in, in some fairly working, you know, in, in working class kind of jobs back in those times, didn't you?
2: Yeah, funnily enough, I've just picked out another player that played in that side. It was a guy called Len Graham, yep, who was spotted by Bob Hunter, who we mentioned a number mentioned. of times already yeah. on this podcast, playing for Leightonstone.
0: Okay, wow.
2: Obviously, in East London, he played for the Football League, the FA, and uh, won two England
0: caps. I mean, this this team would be managed by the great, and I think he was a great manager, Bob Hunter, one of the great figures in our club. We've touched on him on on, on our um, history shows we've done previously, Neil. And, and as with Benny Fenton, we, we mentioned earlier on in this one, I think Bob Hunter was a great finder of maybe players like, like Joe Reidman, who... Um, weren't exactly shining jewels, and yet some maybe get twelve goals out of them in Division Two at a fairly high level.
2: Funny enough, Bob Hunter, there was always a bit of a standing joke that he would uh disappear off to Scotland at the end of the football season and would return with a football team for us. <laughs> he, he had terrific contacts in and around the Arbroath area, I think it was, and would just basically go up there on holiday and sign these players. Yeah. Some work out, some don't, don't they? Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's like anything. But it's just... Lane Graham, for instance, here, he actually played twice for Essex in the county championship in 1926 wow. and went on to become a publican that
0: the traditional traditional route out of the game um
2: familiar. yeah that was after coaching in the Hague in holland he coached football and cricket
0: <laughs> so this game was a four-all draw i've got a, um, a report which i won't read the entirety it's from a newspaper called the weekly dispatch so i'm guessing that was a sunday paper yeah, it was, yeah. the, it yeah, the, a sunday paper the daily dispatch i believe so the 7th of december 1930 um, report on the game, but the the concluding paragraph is that Millwall were cleverer side, but Cardiff's doggedness saved the Welshman. So that was their that was their take on that four all draw from 1930. All those all those years ago. Um, and finally, therefore, for the month of August, our our final um, preview for the for the fixtures is is Millwall home to Blackpool. Um, and I've found a fixture here, Neil. Um, we fast-forwarded somewhat from 1930 to 1999, listeners. Um, so it should be the 98-99 season, the very end of it. This is a 1-0 win for the Lions over Blackpool um, in front of 6,672 at Zampa Road now, new stadium, thanks to a Neil Harris goal in the eighth minute. Um, and I've just thought it might be interesting just to run through some the names just bring back so many memories from some of these teams we've we've touched on the classic sides of the 70s and 80s and this was the beginnings of um what would become an, another great side in mill history with one or two additions and, and reductions um ben roberts in goal um and then the back line jamie stewart remember jamie stewart yeah, player who got sacked by Charlton, I believe. I believe he a did. Drugs test, didn't he? <laughs> was one of the players to fail a-, a drugs test? Didn't he? Yeah, uh, And yeah, you always had a sense he was a decent player, but um, lifestyle perhaps got in the way of that. So Jamie Stewart, Stewart never caught. Joe Dolan. Another character, I think, has been on on. Um, on some pod, was it, was it, did you interview Joe Dolan? There? I some, did, yeah,
2: well, I did interview Joe Dolan, and what a top top guy Joe Dolan is.
0: Yeah, I mean, he came he came over very well. I thought in, in, in that um, Joe Dolan, big big guy, big defender. I think he he was injured. He he lost his career. So was he broken leg? I think.
2: Mate, I think. he suffered he suffered two or three horrendous leg breaks and he actually told me that he did his knee ligaments in training that wasn't ever disclosed wow. he, he he actually started off as a midfielder at did he? chelsea did he? and then he moved into the back four and uh a player a little known player came in and took his place and he got released that little known player was john Terry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well if you're going to be edged out you might as well be, be edged out by one of the best players in the national side for many many years and he was actually going to become a PE teacher he said was he when,
2: yeah when he left Chelsea that because I think his parents are PE teachers right and uh so he was minded to go into that and then Millwall came along and he thought well you only live once give it a go and he ended up becoming a PE teacher in Australia. I actually, took over at the school that Rhino was at okay,
0: okay. in uh, Queensland, a public school over there. Good luck to him. If you're listening to the show, Joe, I don't know if you listen to the show, but um, I used to like you. I used to like that. you in defence, mate. It was one of my favourite players. So uh, Stuart Nevercott, Joe Dolan, we just mentioned, and then Jared Lavin on 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 the other side there, across the middle. Some of these players used to get some stick. I'm I'm, I'm weary now some players got stick because Neil seems to know so many of them. He talks to them on Facebook. I've already I've already embarrassed myself with um, with Derek Smithhurst. And what? Uh, I've got a fair few of these. So I've got to be careful how i put it now, because they're all going to be listening into Neil's show. So Ricky Newman, um, Mark Burcham. Tim Cahill, listeners. What a, what a oh. player. Signed from Oh, you know, the the back the backwoods of, of, of Australia. Um, Australian Institute of Sport or somewhere, something like that. And on the similar level, Lucas Neal on the other side of him there. Um, then up front, Neil Neil Harris. And I, I put Eiffel up front. I don't know if that was the, the way that it actually played on the day. But um, two, two great players in Mill history, Neil Harris and Paul Eiffel. Um, there's some, the, the seeds of a truly great Mill side in that team there, weren't there?
2: Absolutely superb. And actually, there's a guy there that we mentioned, Lucas Neal. Yeah, Another player I don't think got the credit that he deserved because he
0: couldn't really get into our team towards the end, could he? He never quite he, knew his position.
2: Yeah, that's maybe, right. Maybe he
0: knew it, but the managers never knew where to play him.
2: That's right. And it, just a multi-talented guy, superb footballer who went to have decade long
0: career in the Premier League, didn't he? With what Blackburn Rovers and then he was a skilled Australian <laughs> international. He played in he played in the World Cup, didn't he? Like like Tim Cahill. I think he played for the Australian side. So he was a very, very skilled player. And always in one of those players I kind of divide the, the football world into those that you would cross the road to watch and those you wouldn't. And he was one that you would. You'd want to see what Lucas could do. He had he had that ability to produce the unexpected. That team was Probably the
2: last great youth thing that we developed. I I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, a lot of those players we picked. Paul eiffel up from somewhere for next to nothing, and Neil Harris uh, come from what Cambridge, Cambridge
0: Cambridge City, wasn't it, famously? Yeah,
2: and uh, Cahill and Joe Dolan had come from after being released by Chelsea yeah so that was the nucleus of a very very good and very very successful side and a side that really i think they went to wembley i think a couple of weeks after this blackpool game and
0: lost to the aws was it, was it yeah lost to wigan uh, yeah you're right the 18th of april would be the wigan um alter windscreen shield which a massive event. I mean it it sounds I suppose like um what's the equivalent of the Johnston's Painter, or whatever it's called now. It's easy to dismiss those those um tournaments. But I remember being exhilarated, Neil, at the thought that Mill were gonna play at Wembley Stadium, the old Wembley, the Twin Towers. Yeah, and we took what fifty thousand there, didn't we? Fifty five
2: thousand
0: fans. Fifty five
2: thousand and yeah. And didn't we gonna have about a thousand in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> they won it with a
0: handballed gold in you anyway yeah
2: and probably actually one of the worst games of football that old Wembley ever
0: saw wasn't it it was a scruffy game from what I saw of it I was uh, one thing about the old Wembley which I would say to any younger listeners that I know the, the modern Wembley has, has, has um, seen some um, controversy recently but the old Wembley was an appalling view I mean I was actually Stood behind the goal. I mean, what what went on at the other end? I I remember going there once when Argentina played England, and the, the Diego Maradona was on the pitch. Apparently, but I couldn't have told you who it was it. Might, might be it Might be Yeah, well, I, I was say. actually at that game. Was you? Was with, you? With a couple of
2: friends of mine.
0: I hope you saw more oh. of Diego than I managed to. I knew he was out there. I can at least say I was in the same stadium when he played. Yeah, well, one of my mates actually got lobbed out
2: for just uh, an EI Adio. We won the war at
0: the Because that's to- relevant to, to the situation. I don't know. Yeah, well, we've been on the piss for about four days. Before <laughs> that, that. That, that, that never helps, but there
2: we are. Yeah. Um, but Well, actually, this game against Blackpool, well, we're talking about games against Blackpool. Yeah, It was very difficult to find a game against Blackpool with
0: any significance. Mm. Oh, I was amazed how little we played them, Neil. You know, there's, there's about a 30-year stretch where we didn't play Blackpool. Yeah, but funny enough, I,
2: yeah, well, I was quite open that that when we said this idea that we would do this kind of format, yeah. I thought, oh, great, Blackpool. Yeah, but we'll reminisce about Mortenson and Mr. Stanley. And I could tell the story of how, how he... He sold his medal to Mike Melody off Dickinson's <laughs> Real Deal and then claimed that he got another one and things like that. But but we just didn't play them. No. Um, we just didn't play them for about 30 or 40 years.
0: And I was starting to get worried. Well, I was. I mean, I, I came up with this in the end. I thought, well, you know, you, there's a lot of Mill content in that team. I mean, from, from, from back line all the way up to the front. So I was quite grateful to find this 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 one that gave us a bit of conversation. But no, it was very difficult. We didn't. There was a a long long period where we didn't play Blackpool. Um, I suppose it's Blackpool were um, a top flight side for many many years, and we weren't. So how did we come across them? You know. Yeah, but it's the kind of place where I wish we didn't play them for quite a long time again. Absolutely. <laughs> It could do without because them
2: because <laughs> it is a kind of horrible place I think I've seen Millwall up there three or four times and we do you know, never...
0: it's, a, it's, a, it's a ground and a place I've never been to um, I think because it's such a long way so you always find a reason not to go um... every time I've been there I think Tom Ince has scored against us and the pitch has <laughs> been
2: bloody the pitch has been like the Blackpool Pleasure Beach and
0: the Las Vegas of the North. Yeah,
2: that's right. Funnily enough, a friend of mine who actually writes in the Millwall program owns a hotel up there, a guest house. Does he? So I've got so I've got absolutely zero excuse not to not go, to go. Name in January. January in Blackpool. It's gonna be, gonna, to... be
0: tough. gonna be tough. Millwall would finish the ninety-eight, ninety-nine season in tenth position. This was very much the the seed the the germ of the side that would develop over 99 to 2001 when of course we would win the, the the third tier the second division third tier whatever you want to call it we would go up as champions in in 2000 2001 with a truly great mill side managed by um, at this point rhino and maca um, keith stevens alan mccleary and then brought to a crescendo by mark mcgee um just interesting looking at just to conclude us now. I was looking at the league table. We finished 10th in 98 99. Fulham would win the league that season. I think they were managed by Kevin Keegan, if, if memory serves. I uh, think
2: that was the Al Fayed. That was the start
0: of Al Fayed putting.
2: Yeah. Or the, begin, the
0: beginnings of his of his input, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. I think, yeah, I think McKeegan had brought them up from the bottom division,
0: hadn't he? And he went straight through the Michael Backed Jackson's. By Michael Jackson statue hadn't yet been fitted, and Princess Diana was not yet part of the. uh, Was she? uh, I don't know. Maybe I'd dwell on the Princess Diana linkage. I might delete that. Uh, (laughs) Manchester City is is the times have changed. Manchester City came in third that particular season. um, Was that the year when they won at Wembley against uh, Gillingham? Gillingham came, yeah, because Gillingham, Gillingham v Preston, Man City v Wigan, and I think. I think that was a was that a draw to a, to all draw and, and city went up um on penalties. Yeah, yes. but didn't
2: Mickey Weaver save a
0: penalty then
2: did the lap of honour or something like
0: some, that. Some some it sounds um sounds good. Um and Burnley languishing in fifteen. How that's how the wheel turns. There we are. Well that's the fixtures for August, dear Lizard. Do tell us if you like this idea. Um I, I certainly enjoyed doing it. So we're going to carry on regardless whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> not do tell us if you enjoyed it. Um, I was reading a, a, a list of tips for um, uh, podcasters, one of which was to engage the audience by by telling them how much you appreciate them listening. So I really appreciate you listening to this. Do tell us if you've enjoyed it and we don't care if you didn't, because we're going to carry on anyway. So I'm not sure that was quite the point that the woman was, was writing about. was um, good stuff. It? I really enjoyed that. Yeah, no. Well, I always enjoy talking history
2: with you, Nick. And uh, I think we've got some other shows planned, haven't we? Uh, we're going yeah.
0: to do um, tune into our football history podcast. I do put it out on the Airdong Millwall Twitter feed, and it has its own Twitter uh, feed in its own right. But it's well worth, in my humble opinion, tuning in. It's it's not Millwall specifically; it's other clubs, but. Um, it's just a fascinating subject. You know, there's you you know, so, many, so many branches and so many tangents you can go off at. And as I found even in this conversation, one thing leads into another, doesn't it? Yeah, well, we love going off on a tangent, don't oh, we? Don't we? Don't we just?
2: Don't we just? Yeah, well, on no other podcast to do in Millwall, <laughs> will you get Michael Jackson statues? <laughs> uh, Politically
0: incorrect references to Princess Diana. Barman. <laughs> <the Keir> <laughs> There we are, dear listeners. So, dear, thank you for listening to this show. I do appreciate it. Um, if you have any thoughts, do give us a shout on Twitter. Email us on akdungmilwall at gmail.com and do tune into the, the Football History Podcast. So, it's a big thank you to Neil Fissler. Thank you for your help on this one, Neil. Thank you very much indeed, Nick. I look forward to uh, seeing what we can come up with next month. Next month, yeah, we'll try and get another show out in time for the, the September fixtures. So, until then, dear listeners, thank you for listening, and it's Arriva Dirty Mill. Bye for now.
2: Thank you for listening to Apple Mirror. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheap little review. Arriva Dirty Till next time. Who do you want to watch? <laughs>